Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's start the show uh, with one of the real leaders in the bush. This bloke absolutely um, 100% is behind Rural Queensland. Colin Boyce joins me this morning and uh, we're very honoured to have the Federal Member for Flynn joining us once again in 2024. Colin, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Ben, and uh, good morning, listeners, and uh, thank you for the wrap. Uh, I'm a country boy at heart, and uh, the interest of rural Queensland and rural Australia, for that matter, uh, are what matters most. No, absolutely, no doubt about it, and you hold people accountable every single day. I read an article in the CQ uh, today around renewable projects dividing communities. Now, I know full well down in Delaca, there's been wind farms that have had neighbours pitted against each other, and this is going on all through rural and regional Queensland. The renewable race has become one of these issues where the government needed a, a shining white knight to try and appease the woke and the greens and all these do-gooders, and they've got on the back of the renewables. But what it's done to the agricultural industry and the rural community is absolutely pit uh, neighbours, communities against each other, and it's dividing the state. It really is dividing it. How do we get this back on track? I, I am at a loss, Colin. I mean, you live in the bush. You understand the, the, the necessities and what is going on, but I don't know how we can swing this around. Well, you're absolutely right, uh, Ben, and one of the problems with this whole renewable energy issue uh, is that people really don't understand, uh, A, the intent behind it all, and B, the enormous impact that it's going to have, particularly on agricultural land right up the east coast of Australia all the way from, uh, you know, Victoria up to, uh, you know, Cairns in far north Queensland. Uh, the environmental damage it is causing is just absolutely horrendous. Uh, they are literally taking the tops off mountains. They are clearing remnant vegetation. Uh, there is no requirement for them, the, the renewable energy companies, to adhere to the environmental protocols such as reef legislation uh, that are cast upon the mining and resource sector and the agricultural sector. If you were a grazier and you tried to clear some of that oh, remnant you're going to jail. And, you're going to yeah, jail. you go to jail. Yeah, correct. Um, so, as I said, the enormous impact of this is only just starting to become realised. We had a great big rally here in Brisbane on, on Tuesday where uh, hundreds of people gathered to send a message to the government. And what you have to understand and what metropolitan uh, Australia has to understand, this is not about... Uh, providing energy. This is about selling carbon credits. Yes. Uh, and, and it is the biggest land grab in Australia's history. Uh, the local, well, in Queensland, the Queensland government is using local government authorities as the shop front to approve all of these projects. They are deemed to be code accessible, not impact accessible, so therefore they don't have to go through the uh, the normal protocols on these great big multi-billion dollar bills that they're doing. Uh, the local government authorities do not have the skill, the expertise, the resources or the time and people to research the impacts of all of these projects properly. What the uh, renewable energy sector is doing is it's a weakest link in the chain scenario. So you go and sign up some farmers, pay them a whole lot of money to 
have these um, infrastructure bills and solar panels and wind turbines and everybody who surrounds them is left hanging and that's that's the reality of it. Yeah, I agree 100% wholeheartedly. I, I found it quite embarrassing that Mu- Senator Murray Watt got on social media and put a post up and I'll just read it to everybody to give everybody an understanding of just how laughable this is. Today I meant sheep, grain, cattle and horticultural farmers for from around Australia who support rural renewable energy developments and new income streams they are producing for rural Australia. Now, there was not one real producer or legislative peak body yet at that time. There was no farming organisations, no financial members. Um, it was these quasi-groups, you know, and anti-meat funders that were involved. I mean... I mean, it's in, almost insulting, and I've had many dealings with Murray Watt, but I, he is steering away from where he started with this. To me, it's starting to become an almost laughable, Colin, because they're not listening to the peak bodies. They just are not listening at the moment. They just want their own little groups, and they trotted out this group of people. Not one of them looked like they'd ever lifted a, a, a you know a, a, a shovel or, you know, strained a fence or, or, or sat on a horse. It was almost embarrassing. Oh, you're, you're dead right. And, uh, you know, with the greatest respect to Murray Watt, uh, he's a professional bureaucrat, has been his entire life. Um, and uh, for him to hold the uh, federal agricultural portfolio is uh, somewhat questionable in, ter- in terms of um, him knowing uh, anything about agriculture. Um, just to get back to the renewable thing, uh, as I've told many of the landholders who are directly involved in these things, um, there's a thing called accumulated liability. And basically what happens with these projects, uh, the renewable companies are not required to take out any sort of land tenure. For an example, a, a mining lease or a petroleum lease if you're in the gas industry and so forth. These infrastructure bills, turbines and solar panels, are connected directly to the land title. So in 20 years' time or 25 years' time, when it comes to deconstruct these things, rehabilitate them, uh, dispose of them, is there any guarantee that these multinational companies that are based in all over the world will even exist? And because they're attached to the land title, because the landholders have agreed to put them there, they become somewhat liable uh, into the future for what's going to happen when it comes time to uh, rehabilitate it and dispose of them all. And uh, that accumulated liability is going to mount up as the years go by because the cost of doing all of this will continue to rise. So what's the answer? What is the answer then, Colin? You know, because we don't know what the future holds and and how do we stop it? Is it a change of government like, I, or is it going to be too little too late by then? Well, um, first of all, everybody has to understand the reality of what is happening here in terms of impact and in terms of the money that is generated by these big companies that are doing it, in terms of selling carbon credits to other companies so that they can continue to operate and do what they do, over and above the money that they're going to earn generating electricity. And uh, all for what? Australia produces less than 1% of the world's carbon emissions uh, we are destroying our what is left of our remnant environment, uh, taking the tops off mountains, 
uh, imposing a set of rules on one industry and then another set of rules on another. And it's, uh, it's absolute madness and they need to put the brakes on the whole thing and reassess how they're doing it all. I would be interested, and I mean this, um, and I think that long-term we are starting to to make some noise. I just hope that the noise is enough. Um, Can we talk about the Great Artesian Basin? Uh, Colin Boyce joining us this morning. You have been a huge advocate that we need to protect this as well. Not everybody is on the same page. We we talked before Christmas about this debacle, and that's what it is, Um, you know, and it's trying to appease uh, the mining industry. Where are we at with that? Well, at the moment, uh, the, the uh, 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 proponents that are proposing this test down at Mooney in um, southwest Queensland, uh, they have an application before the state government environment department and they are assessing that. Uh, very recently, they have announced an extension to that to... Uh, ask Glencore to provide further information. So that decision was supposed to have been made approximately now, but I'm told now that there is an extension to that. Uh, And again, the whole idea of pumping uh, possibly billions of tonnes of hypercritical CO2 fluid into the Great Artesian Basin is just, you know, I don't know how to say it, unthinkable madness. Again, it is driven by money. And if you look at uh, Glencore's EIS statement, uh, they quote a figure of $20 a tonne to sequester this carbon dioxide. Uh, if you multiply that out by 730 million tonnes, which they've also nominated as the figure if they go to industrial scale, this will amount to approximately $14 billion. The bean counters tell me the carbon credits are worth about $23 billion at this point in time. So very, very rough round figures. The whole project's worth in the vicinity of $40 billion. And again, why are we doing this? To abate 1% of the world's carbon emissions? And you've got people like China, Indonesia, India that don't sign up to any of these agreements who are responsible for 45% of the world's carbon emissions. Uh, Australia is committing economic suicide going down these roads. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Mate, I see you've, you've opened an office in Gainda um, as well, um, which, is a, which is a big thing for you. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, opened a um, two days a week office in, uh, in, uh, in Gainda. Uh, it's not uh, a full-blown office. It comes out of my uh, parliamentary expense running account, and uh, that's to bro- provide a better service for the people down that end of the electorate. Flynn's a huge electorate, obviously. Huge. Uh, we've got an office in uh, Emerald, one in uh, Gladstone, and, uh, and a part-time one now down in Gainda to, to um, allow the people down there uh, a bit more access uh, to federal issues and so forth. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good. Mate, can I also just ask you, um, the, the local the local elections, the council elections, it's a real opportunity to, to, to really make a difference, isn't it, with the right with the right picks? Oh, look, absolutely, and I would encourage uh, people to uh, get behind their uh, local councillors, whoever's standing uh, all over Queensland, obviously. Uh, the councillors, uh, you know, are charged with... Uh, uh, 
uh, overseeing the uh, government departments within the councils, obviously. Uh, it's a bigger job than most people think it is, is what I can tell you. And uh, uh, again, I would encourage those that are standing to uh, do your research and uh, understand how the system works and hold those bureaucrats to account. Yeah, well said. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, Colin Boyce, uh, the member for Flynn, thank you so much. You're doing a phenomenal job, mate, and it's great to have a chat. Yeah, good on you, Ben, and uh, good morning, Queensland. Thank you. Colin Boyce, we'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today.